Welcome to another episode of the AbilityNet podcast. Disability, technology, inclusion. I'm your host, Robin Christofferson, Head of Digital Inclusion at AbilityNet, a pioneering UK charity with a mission to make a digital world accessible to all. You can download a transcript of this episode from www.abilitynet.org.uk slash podcast. So sit back, grab your favourite beverage and let's get started. I am very pleased to be here with Ellie Thompson of Diversity and Ability. We're going to talk in a moment about why we are uh, talking to you guys. Um, very, very excited about this one. But first of all, question that I always ask all my victims, what, uh, have you got a hot or cold beverage to help you get through this ordeal? I've got a nice big bucket of tea here. So how about you? <laughs> yes, I, I realise that I have uh, a liquid to either side of me. So I've always got my water bottle with me. And it's also morning, so I've got a double shot coffee as well um, to my other side. So I couldn't be more prepared. <laughs> Good. Let's hope you survive the ordeal. And so um, thank you so much for coming on. So let us um, introduce yourself. Well, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and your organisation uh, in a few words. And then we'll go on to talk about why we are talking to you today. For sure, thank you. Yeah, so my name's Ellie, and my pronouns are she, her. Um, I'm a white woman that's got my hair tied back, and I'm wearing glasses, as always. Um, and I'm the communications lead at Diversity and Ability. And so we're a social enterprise that's led by and for disabled people. And we provide everything from one-to-one support to global kind of scale training and consultancy. Um, really just doing what we can to work towards disability justice and intersectional diversity and inclusion. Um, and we recently won the Tech for Good Awards for Workplace Inclusion for our new innovation, which is called Access Passport, um, which I'm really excited to kind of, I'm, I'm assuming we'll go on to talk about very shortly. So really excited to be able to talk through that and celebrate the wins. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's why we've got you on today, because you're a double winner you very modestly didn't mention that certainly you won your category the workplace inclusion category for the access passport we should spell that out axs passport very funky um and also voted winner of winners so the overall winner of all the categories as well so massive plaudits uh, and congrats for you guys there you must be super excited about that so yeah how are the team feeling after winning those awards? What does it mean to uh, you guys, you know, to be able to have that kind of recognition? Yeah, I mean, we were just completely thrilled. I remember finding out that we were shortlisted. And even that was such a really, really exciting day for us um, mm-hmm. to get that kind of shortlist um, email through. I really did. Kind of, I work in the office usually and I did kind of yell out loud in the office <laughs> so we've been celebrating since then really um, and then to to win not just the workplace inclusion but the winner of winners award which is very hard to say in a humble way um, it's just <laughs> such a thrill and um, I wasn't there on the night it was my colleagues Adam, Billy and Megan who really kind of pioneered and created Access Passport um, but they've spoken with so much joy about how incredible it was to just be there in the room with 
so many other wonderful people and projects. And Adam was telling me after the awards ceremony, he was just sat there listening to them all thinking, oh, that one's definitely going to win. So it really is kind of a space of inspiration um, and to get recognition in there was such a thrill and, and really means a lot to us. You know, we as a disabled person led organization are so passionate that tech for good needs to be created by those it's designed to support and enable. So, you know, we're led by that lived experience um, and to win these awards kind of feels like a real validation that the way to do tech for good is to involve the people who you're trying to support, you know, involve us in those processes. Um, so that was kind of one of the real celebrations, not just, you know, the recognition for Access Passport as a product, but for our entire approach and mission and kind of reason for being. Um, so, yeah. It meant a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting that vibe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, you know, idiom or that saying nothing about us without us mm -hmm. absolutely counts here. Um, so, yeah, brilliant. Well, OK, well, what is it? What is the Access Passport? What's the story behind it? How did it come about? How long has it been around and what does it do? Great questions. Um, so <laughs> Access Passport is a digital tool um, that essentially gives individuals the opportunity to share their access needs and gives organisations the opportunity to do something with that information. So it's kind of a new approach to accessibility and adjustment passports, which kind of as a, as a concept have been around for a really, really long time. Um, but in our experience, as disabled people have always been quite flawed in their execution. Um, so if you're an individual looking to kind of share your needs with Access Passport, all you need to do is sign up for free via our website or an app. You will be presented with the opportunity to list any access needs you have, and then you get to share them with whoever you want to. Um, and that means that at an organizational level, so kind of on the other side of that information, Workplaces are able to learn from their employees exactly what needs to be done to make the environments more inclusive. So they can really see where the gaps are, where they're not including, where they're actively excluding, and really kind of work from there to create more inclusive spaces. And, you know, in terms of the story, access really has been created through our lived experience. So our team have probably collective decades of filling out inaccessible accessibility passports you know um, they can often be in themselves quite disabling these forms which you know mm -hmm. are, are led by us sharing our diagnosis and then maybe being presented with an opportunity where you have to kind of really self-advocate to even get that form to someone you know and once you've sent that form off you then have no control over your own information where it's gone um and so we just really knew what was missing here. You know, we've, we've, you know, had all of these experiences amongst the team and, and seen how workplaces were also struggling to know how to kind of shift the approach and create a way for sharing access needs that employees felt enabled by rather than fatigued by. Um, so this is kind of a new approach to that, which is digital. It's therefore flexible as well. So as someone with a fluctuating condition, I sent off adjustments passports in the past and that were kind of out of date within the week, you know, as my as my needs shifted and my health kind of changed over the course of time. Mm -hmm. um, and also really crucially, with Access Passport, individuals maintain control of their information. 
So you can choose who you share that information with and you can choose to kind of remove the ability to for someone to see that information whenever you want to as well. So it gives us that sense of ownership over our most personal information, which I think is just so crucial and such a massive shift from the way that we've sent off these forms in the past and kind of had all that information out there in a static document that we lose control of as soon as that email is sent. Absolutely. And it's quite a daunting um, exercise disclosing needs, mm-hmm. particularly in the recruitment process, because there's always fear associated with, you know, being filtered out, particularly when, the you know, it's a high volume um, role. People, you know, recruiters are busy. They have dozens, if not hundreds of other applications. And, you know, there's definitely been cases in the past where that that channel in some recruitment processes that allow you to disclose people get the very strong impression from lived experience that that might actually be doing them a disservice and and sort of excluding them from the recruitment process so something like this formalizes it it puts it in the hands of a third party which means that the recruiters are aware that you know there's there's another you know um it's a kind of a more official disclosure of need etc I mean was those sort of thought processes behind it as well to try and help people overcome the the um, challenges around disclosure particularly in recruitment yeah Yeah, absolutely I I think both kind of overcome the individual challenges and also kind of try and shift the narrative um, Mm. completely Um, so we you know have spent years and years and years telling recruiters that having one line at the bottom of your job advert that says we we will make reasonable adjustments let us know what they are mm-hmm. is just not good enough and doesn't create that sense of safety that a disabled applicant needs because as you say we probably do have experience of those things being used against us or you know filtering us out of an application process mm-hmm. i think that the whole concept of reasonable adjustments feels inherently slightly kind of confrontational and that you know you you really do have to do that kind of base advocacy just to be able to enter those spaces and as an organization we take a completely different approach to what disablement even means you know we we are led by a social model of disability and beyond that a celebratory model where we recognize that the experiences that we bring and the diversity that we bring isn't just a neutral thing for an organization it's a positive you know we are bringing um, a wealth of and breadth of experience and ideas and innovations that organizations are missing out on if they don't include us so that's kind of where access passport comes in really practically is instead of that kind of you know small print um meant you know allusion to reasonable adjustments Instead of that, you can link someone to a document that they can create and own for themselves where they get to share everything they need to thrive. And it really is worded in a way which is designed to focus on the barriers that are in place rather than implying that this this is something that um, an organization is kind of doing you a favor by working around. So we're not talking about adjustments here. We're talking about removing barriers that make workplaces better for everyone, that make recruitment processes better for everyone. Um, So it kind of does, you know, on an individual level, I know that when I felt filled out my access passport, I felt enabled, you know, I didn't feel that sense of vulnerability that I've had in the past when saying to um, recruiters during job application processes that I need, you know, a quiet space, 
that I need the questions in advance, all of those things where you feel you're made to feel like you're asking for something more than you deserve and that you're setting yourself out from the crowd in a negative way. With Access instead, this is an opportunity to be really confident and, and kind of own your own needs and just talk about them as something that enables you to bring the best of yourself to that recruitment process and then to that role. And then obviously that does have wider spread implications in terms of behavior change. And, you know, it won't just impact recruitment processes. It will impact every stage of an employee's journey in a role, because from the very beginning, we're encouraging people to to share what they need to thrive. You know, we're not kind of implementing some kind of process where your adjustments are something that maybe comes up as part of a job insecurity conversation. So maybe mm. there's like a probationary conversation. Maybe it's disciplinary. It's very much based around you're not doing good enough. Is there a reason for that? And that kind of that confrontational approach is, is really standard practice in the organization mm -hmm. that many of us have been a part of in the past. So it, it kind of works on both an individual and kind of a societal level to change that narrative. And so you mentioned about impact there. Let's talk about impact. So what sort of impact is it, has it been having on the users? Um, do you get that kind of feedback? Have you got a larger picture there? Have you got some examples? Obviously, yeah, you know, naming no names. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, um, so we launched Access Passport in December 2022. So it's less than a year old at the moment. When we launched, um, we had about 13 users. So that was basically members of the staff team who'd been involved in the early stages of development who were all, because we cared and wanted to, sharing our needs via Access Passport. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the kind of quantitative impact, we currently have over a thousand users. Um, and one stat that I love is about how many access requirements that involves. So mm -hmm. um, the most update numbers are we have 2,478 access requirements being shared. And that really means a lot, I think, um, in, in terms of kind of enabling people to share everything, you know, that brings them to an organization mm -hmm. and, and start to work around it. So we've got that kind of collective impact. Um, and then, you know, I'm a comms person, so I also love the stories and the individual impact. Um, we got some feedback recently um, from an autistic user who had only recently been diagnosed. So was quite kind of new to their own approach to neurodiversity and, and mm -hmm. how they kind of thought about themselves, really. Um, and they shared that the, the way that Access Passport offered them a, you know, a list of potential requirements that they might need really enabled them to think for the first time about the barriers they've faced and how those barriers were impacting their ability to work, the way, you know, just the way that they live their life. Um, they, they said that they used that kind of um, access passport process as the basis for their access to work application. So it also enabled them to approach that government funded support with a completely different narrative. And I think as a passport that's not kind of based on diagnosis, that doesn't ask people to share you know, a condition or a diagnosis or anything, it just asks them to share their requirements and what they need. That Those are the kind of stories that demonstrate that that's working, you know, is it, it, that it enables people to just think um, at an individual level what they need rather than looking at lists of symptoms or lists of barriers that might be faced by people like them. They really just mm -hmm. get to think about themselves and it really does go on to have an impact. 
Um, so yeah, stories like that really, really embolden us to to keep going and keep sharing access passport for free with individuals, you know, and the world. Amazing. Uh, what about if people don't know what they need? Is there any support or guidance in there, or is that where the your organisation in you know larger would come in, or maybe you'd point them at Ability Now? I don't know. I think a combination of all three of those things. Yeah, definitely. So um, the way that Access Passport is designed is really crucial to our kind of wider model and mission, which is that we don't kind of filter based on um, a diagnosis. So, for example, um, someone who um, and also which goes into that, you don't have to identify as disabled to Mm -hmm. have access requirements. So we really want to make this a passport that is for everyone. So some of the requirements include things like um, if you if you experience barriers related to the way your workplace is, uh, um, kind of responds to faith. So if you need like a private room for prayer, um, if you have parental or caring responsibilities, which kind of there are barriers in the workplace um, to do with. So that kind of the way that you are able to access all of the requirements is really crucial to us. But we also do acknowledge that individuals may not have had access to that understanding in the past and that sometimes it can be really useful to kind of filter down what what you might benefit from um so at the moment we have a load of different filters on the app where you can think about kind of if you experience barriers related to um sensory input or noise or whether we're talking about physical barriers or cognitive attitudinal ones and and we're also introducing in the future a way of kind of further filtering and kind of with like an access wizard that will you can kind of um ask you can kind of submit anything that you want to and it will suggest well you may benefit from these requirements kind of as a way of um, reducing that that first barrier of Mm -hmm. not even knowing where to start when someone asks you what do you need yeah particularly with a new diagnosis I mean obviously they've had a lot of lived experience before the diagnosis but still there's so much out there I mean you know when it comes to technology and adjustments that can help with hardware and software you know AbilityNet's kept incredibly busy (laughs) keeping up abreast of all of the potential there but um yeah so you know for people to be aware of what they you know need to perform at their best is kind of step one and then being able to disclose that in a supported environment and have a receptive hopefully a receptive uh, organization at the other end is uh you know it's like a whole chain that needs to be um in place for people to really be able to thrive on a on a level playing field so you mentioned about the future there and one potential improvement or kind of advancement in the tool any other things on the on the feature list going forward yes definitely so it's a really exciting kind of few months I think really again emboldened by the tech for good win um wins <laughs> um, yeah. so we've got yeah. loads of new features that are coming really soon um that will help to kind of make the behavior change happen um so especially when we think about the organizational level um ad- adoption of access passport um, that is all through our organizational portal um which has kind of extra advantages for organizations so they don't just get kind of a list of um, their employees um but they also kind of can get wider spread data so they'll be able to see which needs are not being met most often it kind of gives them that prioritization list of making sure that they're addressing the real gaps 
Um, and one of the kind of new updates that we've got coming really soon, so before the end of the summer, um, is Google and Microsoft integration, so that organizations can embed Access Passport into their systems and processes. So for example, if you arranged a meeting on Google Calendar, you would have the capacity to get um, a list of the access requirements um, of the attendees of that meeting. So you'd know, you know, all the things that, that we would say to do anyway. So you need to put captions on in advance and that you need to kind of ensure that there's breaks and send the agenda around. You, you just get this checklist of things that you can do to ensure that everyone in your meeting um, is able to access that space um, to their full kind of potential. So that's one that we're really excited about. Um, also the potential to create multiple passports. So, you know, this is, um, like I said, you know, this is all about maintaining ownership of our most personal information. And part of that is a recognition that the things that you want to share with your employer are probably different to the things that you might want to share with um, your healthcare team, so with your GP or consultants. So um, giving people the ability to share their passport more specifically in a more tailored way with whichever environment they find themselves in so that they can really enter those conversations kind of in the best way possible without having to do that self-advocacy that so many of us know is really exhausting especially in the healthcare space yeah over and over again so mm -hmm. tell me i mean we've obviously the the focus that we've been putting here is on workplace because it was the workplace inclusion award and then obviously winner of winners as well um but yes, so the passport has much broader applications. You mentioned health, the healthcare space, mm. but you know, what other uses are people putting their passport or passports to in the, you know, going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, workplace is a big focus for us. You know, that's where we've, we've had a lot of years of experience with um, kind of the, the barriers that people experience in sharing their mm. needs. Um, we also have been working in the, in the higher education sphere for over a decade now. And again, we think this is something that has a real potential to have a positive impact in education. That is another space where you will find yourself sharing your requirements, your most basic needs multiple times in multiple yeah. different forms as you progress through from school into further in higher education and then again when you transition into the workplace so kind of creating a passport that you can kind of use throughout all those different stages of life we think that's a really really big thing um, definitely something that I know I would have benefited from when I was at university so we've got some exciting conversations about how we can make that happen in higher education and then again, more widely as well. So thinking about kind of where you are having repeated conversations. So healthcare is a big one. Um, I think being able to share that um, kind of list of your requirements before you have your operation or with your GP or when you switch practice has really transformative potential impact. Um, for us as disabled people but also any spaces that you use regularly I think there's a real advantage to this kind of even just in terms of your casual social interactions because it mm. enables you to think about what you need best to thrive and create space for those conversations to start so we you know at, in the office in, at DNA more widely we talk about our access needs all the time and we use access passport as a framework and the conversations that we have will make us think about our own needs in different ways and kind of enable us to to kind of have those conversations so we kind of want to replicate the approach to sharing needs and requirements and diversity that we have adopted organizationally um, more widely as well and, and I think we're we're starting to see that happen which is 
really, really exciting, both, you know, as a, as a person, as an individual who has access needs and when they're met, feels how different the difference that that makes to my life and my well-being and also more widely you know in terms of disability inclusion and intersectional justice um it really does have that potential impact and hopefully we're, we're starting to see that happen really exciting really exciting <laughs> so we're coming towards the end then i mean any um other areas that you wanted to talk about we must not forget to mention the website address and any other contact in- information you want. But uh, yeah, any any last thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, Access Passport, so axs-passport.co is the website address. And as I kind of mentioned in passing, Access Passport is completely free to the individual user. So I really would encourage, again, both personally and professionally, encourage people to create their own Access Passport, create the space for, for you to share your needs in that enabling and, and positive way um, and see what you can do with that information. And I will say, you know, as I've also mentioned, we are led by that lived experience. So we are always really open to feedback, whether it's about a requirement that you think need, needs to be lifted or a shift in, in the language. We want this to be a really user-led and user-owned product. That's where we started from. That's where we want to continue. So any feedback you have about the product, um, and then finally, if you're from an organization and you want to explore um, adopting Access Passport at that level to get in contact with us via the website um, so we can have that conversation and you'll be able to, to see those shifts start to happen. Fantastic. Ellie, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure you guys have been really busy since the awards. <laughs> um, yeah, brilliant. Keep up the amazing work and best of luck going forward. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for listening to this episode of the AbilityNet podcast. As well as this free podcast, we offer training and resources to help address the disability employment gap and help workplaces to become more accessible and inclusive to all. Head to our website at www.abilitynet.org.uk slash workplace to find out more. Thanks again for tuning in and more discussions around disability and inclusion will be coming soon.